You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Why and Who, Part 6. Enjoy. Hallelujah. So Highway Church, last Sunday, Jennifer ministered a word, and it was wonderful. If you weren't here, thank you, Jennifer. Uh, you can hear it on our, our website, highwaychurch.us, and it's free, so you can hear all of our messages there. But go there and listen to it and, and get the scriptures, meditate on them. Uh, great instruction on Mother's Day for, for leading our children into, the, into more of Jesus, right? And that's what we do. We want to be inclined. We want to be our, our needle on our compass is pointed toward him. And we've got this singular focus in life, don't we? It's knowing him. <laughs> it just simplifies everything. So what are you all about? I just want to know him more. That's it. I just want to know him more. I want to taste more of his wonders and glory. I want to experience more of the person of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. So we started two weeks ago before Mother's Day. We were, it didn't start, but we were in the midst of a series. I want to get back to that. It's called Why and Who. Why and Who. And we're talking about why Highway Church is here and who we are. So it's been a couple of weeks. Let's review a little bit. But let me say it this way. Highway Church is here to give people a major identity upgrade. A major identity upgrade. He said, well, I know my identity. I, I, I know my identity. I've got my name. I've got my social security number. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about a number that man has assigned you. We're talking about who you are in Christ. A major identity upgrade. And far too many believers are going through their lives seeing themselves as uh, they used to be before Christ, not realizing that they're new creations in Christ now, that the past is behind them, that old things have gone away and all things have become new. Man, I like upgrades. Have you ever been working with a tool or a software, you know, and, and, and you know it's just not the full version? And it's kind of like, the, you know, there's things you can't do, but it doesn't cost much, so you just stay with the, the lower cost one. But then you just say, okay, I've had enough. I want the upgrade, right? And you get the full version. All of a sudden, I can do the things that I wanted to do all along. That's what happens when you put your faith in Christ. See, it, it, and, and the upgrade's free for us, isn't it? Right? Because God paid for the upgrade, didn't he? He paid for it through his son, Jesus. And boy, when you, when you get the upgrade, when you put your faith in Christ, you get the full version of God. I need the fullness of his presence in my life. Hallelujah. So that's what we're doing here. We're giving people upgrades. All right? We want a real relationship with the real Jesus. And when you have a real relationship with the real Jesus, the real you comes alive. Okay? So that's what Highway Church is here for. You know, if you don't see yourself as a new creation, if you don't see yourself as identified with Christ, you know, you can't, you can't overcome a level five problem with a level three identity. You can't do it. But when you have a level 10 identity, that level five problem doesn't look like a problem anymore. Right? Because you realize that greater is Christ in you than that thing that used to get you down, right? That you've got victory over it in Jesus' name. So we're providing a voice in this area and, and, and through the internet to let people know that God is really good. Truly good. And I'm not going to say something later to counter that. Why do I say that? Because here's some Christians will say, yeah, God is good. 
I've been in, in ceremonies or services, or they'll say, God is good. But then later on, they'll say, so-and-so's child who was just taken in that tragic accident, God had a better plan for them. Wait a minute. Didn't you just say God was good? Why would God take a child away from their family if he's good through a horrible, tragic accident or a disease? Then God is not good if he does that. Come on, can we be real? Is it okay? How are we doing Facebook? Is it good to be real on Facebook? Right? Yeah. Why? If he's good, he's not going to hurt children. Right? Is a person good who hurts children? No. Is God good if he hurts children? No. Right? It's simple. Isn't it simple? I love being simple. Yeah. He's good. So we want people to know this, that God is not causing, nor is he allowing bad things to happen. I know the Bible's been misunderstood, and I know there are some scriptures you can look at that, that seems like it might be saying he brought these things, but you're misunderstanding the scriptures. The scriptures have been mistaught far too often. We understand the scriptures through the person and ministry of Jesus, not through the Old Testament. We need the Old Testament for a reference. It's important, and I'm glad it's in my Bible, but we're not in that anymore. We're in a whole new covenant, a whole new time, Okay? So we're letting people know that God doesn't do these things. He doesn't cause these things. He's not controlling the activities of the earth. Wow. He's not. Yes, he's sovereign, but he's given us authority over this planet. And Satan stole that, didn't he? And became the God of this world. Hallelujah. But he doesn't have to be the God of your life. Right through Christ, he's defeated. And Jesus is the God of our lives, right? So we've got victory over the God of this world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, it's challenging for me to start talking about this. I don't want to stop, but I'm going to try and move on so we can get through this, all right? Someone said something to me. Uh, I was talking, we were talking just about healing. And uh, they said, well, so-and-so believes that God heals. And I said, you know what? Believing God heals is not going to help you. It's not going to help you. You need to know with your heart for sure and certain that he has already provided healing for you through Christ. You've got to know it's his will for you to be well for the rest of your life. You've got to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that it's his will to heal everybody all the time. If you don't know that, it's not going to help you. That's what faith knows the will of God. Faith is sure and certain. There isn't a doubt about it. All right? Hallelujah. Don't ever believe what you believe about God based on what happened to you or so and so. All right? We base what we believe about God on the person and ministry of Jesus. So if something happens in my life, if I leave here today and get run over by an ice cream truck, <laughs> you know that wasn't God's will, right? And somewhere I missed something, right? Maybe the Lord was directing me to not go for ice cream today, or I don't know, right? But somewhere you know I missed it. So don't base what you believe on what happened to so-and-so. And I'm not going to get run over by an ice cream truck, but I might get some ice cream today. All right? So sometimes people base what they believe on what happens to so-and-so. Well, they, they were a believer. They were a pastor. They were a Christian. They were a deacon or, or an elder. I go with Jesus. 
We don't really know what people believe. We don't. We don't know that you realize there are scores and scores, millions of Christians that don't know what you've just heard this morning. That don't know, they believe God can heal, but they don't know he's already provided it for them. And they don't know how to appropriate it and make it real in their lives daily. Because they haven't been taught and they haven't heard what you're hearing. All right? See, there are different kinds of believing. We believe with our heart here. But you can believe with your senses. In other words, I can base what I believe on what I see. Or what I can detect with my senses, my hearing, my, my smell, my touch. Or you can base what you believe on carnal reasoning. You can try and figure it out yourself. Well, that can't be because this and this and this and this must be. Well, I think about that. And you, you can do that. Neither one of those will get you there. Or you can, it's already done because he said it. You can believe what you believe simply because he said it. Because he said it, it's so in my life. That's faith in the heart. So we have this uh, heart faith here. We cultivate this living life by faith, seeing with the eyes of our heart, okay? That's why Highway Church is here. We want to help build these things into people's lives so that they can realize that through faith in Christ, we've got victory over it all. You've got victory over the curse of sin that's upon the earth. You've got victory over Satan, the God of this world. You've got victory over depression, over sickness, over disease, over lack. Hallelujah. All right, let's move on. So we've talked about why we're here, and then we got into who we are. All right, who we are at Highway Church, and we know that we're people with a common purpose, right? What's our common purpose? To know him more. Is that it? Yep. <laughs> That's it. To know him more, right? That's what we're all about. Every day we want to experience more of Jesus, okay? So as a result of that purpose, we're regularly tossing out stuff that doesn't belong in our life, in our thinking, right? Wrong ideas. See you later. Religious doctrines, see you later. Uh -uh. Why? Because we want more of him. And if there's any thinking in my life that doesn't line up with the person of Jesus, it's going. Right? We're dragging it to the trash. Delete, right? Gone. Off the hard drive. No more. Because we know that we can't hold on to wrong ideas and have more of Jesus at the same time. Wrong thinking will block what God wants to do in your life. So we want to help remove those roadblocks and open up the highway Jesus in your life for God to flow, all right? So we're people who have a common purpose to know him more. We're people who have uh, see with the eyes of our heart with faith. And we're people who have this singular focus, and it's Jesus. Everywhere we go and everything we do, we're like, we're, we're crazy about him. Right? We're always thinking about how much he loves us. We're always mindful that he did what he did because he loves us. And he's for us, that the God of heaven and earth is for us 24-7, right? So we're mindful of this, and we've got this singular focus, and we don't, we don't let what we've been through or maybe current circumstances that are facing us limit or determine our expectation. We don't do that. Our expectation is not based on what we've been through or on what happened to so-and-so. It's based on the person and ministry of Jesus. It's based on what God said. Hallelujah. So what we do, we study Jesus. 
at Highway Church. The real one, the one in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, okay? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We study him and we learn who God is from his character and nature. We learn God's will and then we apply it to our lives and change our life circumstances, okay? So we've learned in this series that the will of God doesn't happen automatically, but we have to enforce it. You remember Matthew 11? Matthew 11. So we have to enforce the will of God in our lives. Very important to understand that. A lot of people just kind of are in a passive mode. Whatever happens, happens. It must be from God. No way. No, we're in enemy territory. All right? We're in a proactive mode. And I love it in Matthew chapter 11. If you remember, John the Baptist is in prison now. Bad deal right? What was he in prison for? Preaching the gospel, right? Preparing the way for Jesus. And, and he's in prison, and he's kind of wondering, hmm, I'm in prison. And he sends his disciples to Jesus. They ask him, is he the one? John the Baptist was human, right? Remember, he declared that Jesus was the Lamb of God that comes to take, and now time has passed. He's gone through some challenges, and he's wondering, is he the one? So should we base what we believe about Jesus on John the Baptist? No. He was John the Baptist. I know, but he was human, right? Don't base what you believe on others, just on Jesus. That's so important, I'm telling you. No matter who they are. I mean, John the Baptist was the dude, right, before Jesus came. He, he, he blew all the other prophets away, Jesus said. Remember that, right? Well, so he, John the Baptist sends his disciples to Jesus and say, are you the one? And Jesus said, tell them what you see. The blind are receiving their sight. The deaf are hearing. The lepers are cleansed. The dead are raised. The poor have the good news preached to them. The kingdom of heaven, since John began his ministry, is forcefully advancing. Forcefully advancing because we're in enemy territory, right? So we're proactive. We're not passive people. We grab a hold of what belongs to us in Christ. And we were not going to let go of it. No how, no way, for no one. All right? Now, we learned also that we've got to put on the armor of God, right? Moms, you got your bracelets from last week? Can we get the armor of God bracelets? All right, yeah, we've learned we've got to put on the armor of God. God's not going to do that for us, but let's look at Ephesians 6.11. Let's put that up there. How are we doing? We awake? We good? Need some more moonshine? Just want to make sure you're awake. All right. Hey, I'm drunk on the Holy Spirit. You're looking at an intoxicated man. Holy Ghost, my friend. It's, a, it's pure grain, 100%. <laughs> Clothe yourselves with the full armor of God. This is the Weiss translation, okay? <laughs> to the end that you will be able to hold your ground. Let's say those words together. Hold your ground. Say it again. Hold your ground. What are you going to do today? Hold your ground ground against the stratagems of the devil. Wow. What is your ground that you're going to hold? Good question, right? How am I going to hold it if I don't want to know what it is? God's will for your life is your ground. The abundant life that Christ came to give you, that's your ground. All that God provided for you through the sacrifice of his son, that's your property. That's your ground. I was upstairs uh, last night, and I think maybe Judah was downstairs, and I know Mariah was home too, and I heard this. It sounded like it was right outside my window. What is that? I knew it was a coyote. 
And uh, I heard Mariah run downstairs. It was out. Our, our dog was inside. Uh, but no coyote's going to mess with my dog. But uh, that we have a, also a dog house outside. Sometimes she goes out there. We have a tie out. But it was close to where she goes on her dog house. And Mariah, I heard Mariah yelling out the door, get out of here. What was Mariah doing? She's holding her ground, right? Sometimes you have to say, devil, get out of here. Quit your howling and get out. No, no coyotes in our lives, right? Varmints. All right. So you're going to hold your ground. So this is what we're doing. We're holding on. We're, we're, we're taking possession of what God did for us through Christ. And we're not going to let anyone take it from us. All right? Now, our ground, we can say, we can say it like this. You can better understand the property you've been given when you, when you understand who God is what he's done for you in Christ and who you are in Christ, all right? It's kind of like reading the title deed to the property you just bought. You know, you learn what belongs to you when you read the scriptures and you look for, for specific verses that describe God's character, who he is. And you look for specific verses that tell us what he's done for us through Christ. And you look for specific verses that tell us who we are in Christ. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, there is a new creation. Where's that at? Did I make that up to make us happy? 2 Corinthians 5.17, right? So we mine the Word of God. We look for these scriptures that teach us who God is, what He's done for us in Christ, and who we are in Christ. All right? And as we do that, we better understand the property that God has given us. Because who Christ is, these things are our title deed to, our, to, to what God has provided for us. All right? So we began to look at some examples in the scriptures of people who took possession of God's will for their lives, all right? We looked at, at, at God's YouTube in the Bible, right? It's got all the, the how-to videos. In the Bible, you've got how to live by faith, but you've also got how not to live by faith in the Bible. You know that? There are examples of how to think and how to live, and boy, there are examples of how not to live and how not to think in the Bible, all right? We look at both examples to learn from them. But we looked at the, um, the woman of Canaan, remember last time, who, who took hold of the will of God for her daughter, remember? And, and we looked at that and, uh, in Matthew 15. Let's look at another person this morning. We'll look at two people this morning who took possession of God's will for their lives, who grabbed a hold of the property that belonged to them because of God's love for them, not because they did everything right, okay? Let's go to Mark chapter 5. Whoa, I'm excited. I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit is right here. What do you need this morning? He's here. Don't you know he's met every one of your needs? And if you're a parent, you represent your family. He's met the needs of your family. Great is the well-being of your children. Where's that at in the Scriptures? Anyone know? Isaiah 54. Right? Great. All my children are taught of the Lord. Great is their well-being, their wholeness, their peace. That's a good thing to declare over your family, right? You don't have to say it in their face. You declare it over their lives when you're driving to work. Right? Great are the peace of my children. A worry pops into your mind about your kids, and you don't sit there and mull it over and try and figure it out. You say, great is the peace of my children. Great is the wholeness and the well-being of my children. Great. They're full of joy. They're full of peace. Thank you, Father, for surrounding them with faith and love. My children are blessed. They're strong and mighty in the land. That's how we do it. 
That's family counseling right there. Hallelujah. So let's look at this Mark chapter 5 lady. I like this lady. She needed an upgrade. So Jesus, let's start in verse 24. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Massive crowds. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, long time, and suffered many things of many physicians. Ooh, just reading the Bible here. And had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered. Boy, oh boy, the Holy Spirit's churning inside of me, and I'm, I'm just kind of listening. Say, should I say that, Lord? Should I say that? Man is trying to fix problems, physical issues. And, and we don't fault them for that. We, we're thankful for anyone who's trying to help. We thank God for physicians, and we're not, we're not against that in any way, shape, or form. Physicians, hospitals are there to try and help people get better. But when you get to know the physician, man, he never has to make a cut. He doesn't have to open you up to see what's wrong. He's got this internal system. that He's inside of you, and he just fixes things supernaturally. And there's no waiting line. There's, there's no side effects. When you just begin to say with the stripes that wounded Jesus, I am healed, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is dwelling in me, and God, you through that spirit are regularly giving life to my mortal body. It's a treatment like no other. And it doesn't make you tired. It doesn't make your hair fall out. It makes you strong and healthy. Come on. Not putting anything down. I know people are trying, but people are going to man to be fixed, and I'm telling you, Jesus is the fixer. You do what you feel you need to do, but I'm telling you, Jesus has fixed it. You can be whole through simple faith in him. You can. It's that simple. He said it. I believe it. It's already done. Oh, boy, we need to get back to the simple truth of God's word, that he did it. He did it. I don't need the affirmation of a man. I, I just need to believe what he's done. I'm telling you, something, boy, don't fall asleep now. There's things stirring here right now so that you can come up out of man's ways and into the glory of God's plan for your life. Jesus! Woo! This doesn't fit in a box. I'm trying to fit this thing in a box. It doesn't fit. I know we got a limited amount of time, but boy, we got to make time for the Holy Ghost. Woo! I'm not playing church. I don't have a desire to go to a nice little social place and have a nice time. I want Jesus. I'm leaving different today. I'm growing stronger right now. Woo! You just have to pardon me. Woo! Okay, now isn't it interesting about this woman? She spent every dime she had. There's something inside of us. It's innate. It's God-given to be whole, a desire to be whole. And that's good. God put that in there, right? No one, we don't have to read the Bible. No one has to say anything. If we're not whole, we want to be whole. That's testimony of God's will right there, right? 
I mean, our body, even in its fallen mortal state, it fights sickness. It's amazing. You, you cut your hand, and, and the next day, it's like, oh, it doesn't look the same. Two days later, three days later, a week, where'd it go? It's like Wolverine in the X-Men. You see that? <laughs> he heals automatically. You know, yeah, we're, but we're better than that, right? <laughs> We've got the real deal. It's not a movie. Yeah, we heal automatically. Woo! You just got to put your seatbelts on. I'm telling you, Holy Ghost, he wants to wake us up and take us higher and bring us all the way into what God is right. That's right. Dennis, you stand up. Read that shirt. Come on, you guys stand up. Look, look at the back of their shirt. See that? That's right there. That's it. That's it right there, man. Yeah. So when she heard of Jesus, her whole life changed. Twelve years, blew every dime she had, and she's worse than she was before she spent all her money. But then she hears about someone that's different, a different physician. And she comes in the press, thronging him, right? This crowd's behind thronging him, and she touches his garment. Why did she do that? Next verse, verse 28, for she said, who said? With whose mouth? Yeah. If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Has she lost her mind? She just blew everything she had, 12 years of suffering, and she's going to touch someone's clothes and be whole? woo Right? No, she's right, isn't she? She knows something that's beyond what man can do. Verse, uh, that same verse, Matthew 9, 21, says it this way. Uh, let's put that up there. For she said within herself. Have you done that? If you want to experience God's will for your life, you need to talk to yourself. Woo! You do. You need to tell your body how to feel and how healthy it is. You do? I mean with your mouth. When you get up in the morning, if it's something doesn't feel right, you get up and say, body, you are healthy and strong. Knees, you are full of life. Ankles, feet, hips, shoulders, you're strong and healthy. Mind, you're sound. Rivers of living water are flowing through every cell, tissue, organ, and system of my body. I am the healed of God. You need to tell yourself how you are. Don't ask yourself. Your body will try and dictate to you your health or how you are. Satan will try and dictate to you your health and how you are. You don't listen to either one. Your body is the temple that you live in and you have authority over it. You tell it how healthy it is. Come on, are you hearing me? Say amen. Verse 29. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. So she had a feeling, but didn't look any different. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue, so virtue heals, right? Virtue heals. Virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said, um, 
you see this multitude thronging around you, duh, right? I mean, what do you mean who touched me, right? He was a different kind of touch. Remember the three kinds of believing? There are some that were touching him with their physical senses. There's some were touching him with carnal reason. But only one person out of this massive crowd thronging him, only one person touched him with faith. There are other sick people there, just where there's a crowd bound to be other people, but she was the only one that experienced the virtue, the healing virtue of Jesus. Why? Because she touched him in here with her heart, with faith. And that was activated with her mouth before she ever got to him. Hmm, where'd we stop at? Verse 31, verse 32. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing, but the woman fearing and trembling. Why? She doesn't know his nature. She's like, oh, I just did something I shouldn't have done. I wanted to be ill. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She just doesn't know his nature. Oh. Knowing what was done in her, she came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. He's like expecting a reprimand, not knowing that this is the joy of his heart. And he said unto her, daughter, daughter, little girl, your faith has made you whole. Go in irene, peace. Another translation says, enter into peace. Now, hold on. Can we do some dereligification here? What does that word peace mean? Come on, you know highway church. Wholeness, irene in the Greek. It's like the Greek equivalent of shalom, wholeness. He said, enter into wholeness, well-being. Be set at one again. It's like John 14, 27. Jesus said, my irene, my peace, my wholeness, my well-being, I give to you. I leave it with you. It's yours. You have the well-being, the wholeness of Jesus. As he is, so are we in this world. I mean, you gotta keep you gotta keep your switch on all week when you come, because you're gonna need to get what's coming. I'm telling you. So just when you leave here today, just keep it on. Turn it on. Don't don't keep trusting him. You you gotta be ready to come on Sunday because there's just stuff flowing and you gotta be tuned in, man. There can be an amazing movie on, but if you're not on the channel, you're gonna miss it. All right? Don't miss this epic picture. All right, it's Jesus. Man. Woo. Okay. And be whole of thy plague. All right. Notice her healing didn't happen automatically. Right? Isn't that right? Didn't happen automatically. In fact, she had to overcome a lot of stuff. I imagine she was probably pretty weak after 12 years of a, a, a blood issue. Right? And, and, and not only was she weak physically... I mean, how discouraged would you be after spending every dime because she's broke and she's worse than she was when she had money, right? And not only that, but in her culture, she wasn't allowed out in public because of her condition. So she hears about Jesus. She's got a lot of things. She's got some decisions to make. Am I going to overcome my past, what I've been through, all the pain that I've known for these last 12 years, all the weakness that I'm currently feeling? I'm broke, I don't have a dime to my name, and my culture is telling me I'm not allowed out in public, but I've heard about this physician, he's in my town, I'm going to go see him. Nothing automatic about it. And this is the attitude of faith. 
It refuses to be denied. It has this tenacity that God said it, it's mine, and no one's going to change that in my life. And she had this, and we've got that same attitude. It forcefully advances in this world. It takes hold. It holds our ground. Right? We still awake? Hallelujah. She had a singular focus, didn't she? And we're talking about a massive crowd. Okay? Uh, How hard was it for her to get through that crowd? People probably insulting her because she shouldn't have been out in public, maybe even physically pushing her out of the way. Maybe she had fallen several times and had to kind of push herself back up or or maybe even crawl or somehow get to him. She had a singular focus. I'm going to touch Jesus. I'm going to touch Jesus. My past is behind me. I'm going to touch Jesus. The pain, I don't care how much the pain is. I don't care what people have said. I don't care if culture accepts me. I'm touching Jesus and I'm going to be whole. Hallelujah. Now, this is interesting. Who determined how she would be healed? She came up with a scenario of how she would be healed. You remember the centurion? What was his scenario? How did he he determine how his servant would be healed? What did he say? Just say the word. You remember that? Matthew chapter 8. So she didn't have to touch him. She didn't have to go through all that. But she decided that was her scenario. I've seen people do that. Well, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Hey, I like the centurion. Just say the word. You say it, I believe it, it's so. There's nothing automatic about this, right? Hallelujah. We're doing good. I think I can get this in. We're doing good here. Let's go ahead. Let's look at one more person. Can we look at another person? You okay? You awake? How about Caleb? Can we look at Caleb? Now, this is Old Testament Caleb. This is back in the old covenant, but I'm telling you, we can learn a lot from him. All right? He had this singular focus. He he heard what God had promised him. He grabbed a hold of it, and he wouldn't let anybody, even the rest of the nation, take it from him. And I want to tell you this. If you will come here regularly to Highway Church, And if you're not in this area of the nation, you can tune in online. And you will hear the good news, the message that we're proclaiming. You're going to become a Caleb. You're going to become a possessor of God's ground for your life. You're going to develop a boldness and a tenacity that nothing in this world can hinder. Because you're going to, if faith comes by hearing, you need to hear this stuff, man. Our kids need to hear this stuff. Man, listen to the, when you go home. Listen to the podcast, man. Put them on. Crank it up in the kitchen. Yeah, I mean, I, I had Paul, Joseph Prince on. I had him in the bathroom when I was cleaning up this morning. You know, had him on last night when I was shaving. Whatever. I'm, I just turn it up. Joseph Prince, Andrew Walmack, Kenneth Copeland, Jeremy Pearson. Just fire it up, man. You you, you ever use the podcast? Some of you podcasts are a great thing. You know, you got an app on your phone. You can subscribe to our podcast if you want to. But many other ministries. Uh, Joseph Prince, highly recommend. Andrew Womack, highly recommend. Jeremy Pearson's, highly recommend. Uh, Charles Capps, Bill Winston, uh, Kenneth Copeland, Jerry Seville, just a number of them, okay? But, man, get this stuff flowing in, in your heart and in your life. Get it flowing in your house. It will transform you. 
So we're people of faith. We hold our ground. We're like Caleb. And we're not afraid of giants. There are things that make others afraid. There are things that stress others out that don't bother us a bit. Because we see things differently. And we've got the victory. So let's go back to Numbers chapter 13. Now, you know in the Old Testament that God had promised territory to his people, land. And it was called the promised land because he promised it to them, right? But there were quote-unquote giants on this land, all right? And Caleb realized something about these giants. But let's start reading. Let's see. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna start Numbers 13. I'm going to kind of skim through and hit some of the highlights but God speaks to Moses, and he says, verse 1 and verse 2, he wants you to take one leader from each tribe of Israel. Okay, how many tribes were there? Twelve, right? One leader from each tribe, and I want you to send them to search out the land that I've promised you, that I've given to you, okay? Now, he starts naming the people. We're going to jump to verse 6. I want you to catch these names. Uh, of the tribe of Judah, Caleb. Who else do you know from the tribe of Judah? Yeah, Jesus, right? He's from the tribe of Judah. He's the lion of Judah. He came from, he didn't come from Levi, he came from Judah, the praise tribe, the intoxicated on the Holy Spirit tribe. I'm telling you, all right? Caleb. Now, I want to say something to you. Caleb in this account is a type of Christ to us. What does that mean, a type of Christ? There are type of Christ in the Scriptures, and that means if you will study these types of Christ, that by looking at their attitude, their behavior, and what they did, you will develop a better understanding of God's nature, of the person of Jesus, okay? So we're going to see the nature of faith, the nature of Jesus in Caleb, all right? So we look for types of Christ in the Bible. They're, they're foreshadowings of who we would become. Through Christ, right? He's the firstborn from among the dead. We're his brothers and sisters, right? Right? Aren't we? Aren't you his brother or sister? Come on. Jesus, you telling me? Is that sacrilegious? No, it's the gospel. Hallelujah. Now look at this other one. We'll skip down to uh, Joshua here. Let's see. Um, Verse 8. Of the tribe of Ephraim, Oshia, it says here, the son of Nun, But look later on in verse 16. It says, these are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Ashia, the son of Nun, Yeshua. Yeshua. Yahweh. Jehovah. What? Why didn't he call him Bub? This is prophetic. This is another type of Christ. That's Jesus' name. You know, Joshua is the name of Jesus in in, in just a different language. Same name. What does it mean? Salvation. God saves now. You study it out. Yeshua. So why does Moses change his name right before he goes into the promised land? Because it's through Jesus that we experience the promises of God. Yeshua. Hallelujah. So we've got Caleb from Judah, Jesus' tribe, and we've got this man who's just had a name change, Salvation. And they have this singular focus, just like Jesus did when he came. What was Jesus' focus, you know? Well, it was, but he had a goal, didn't he? He had to go to the cross, right? And he's the only one that had to do that. 
okay? He, he was the Lamb of God. So he set his face like flint to Jerusalem because he had to accomplish redemption for us. But these guys, so we've got this singular focus. What is it for us? John 10, 10. I've come that you might have life and life abundantly. It's, it's experiencing his will for our lives, being who he's made us to be, knowing him as he is. All right? So verse 17, Moses, he sends them to spy out the land. Okay, they go into the land. We're just going to skip down here to verse 23. They find out it's just like God said it was. And this is fun to think about. So they find the, this, this branch of one cluster of grapes. And this thing is so abounding, so, so beautiful, so God provision, that they have to bear it between two men on a staff, one cluster of grapes. Come on, I've been in Hannaford's before. I just pick up those grapes one hand. We're talking about God grapes here. We need some God grapes in our lives, right? It's time for God grapes in your, in your grocery list, right? It's time for the abundant life. Two men carrying home one cluster of grapes. Jesus, you're amazing, right? So they do it, and they come back. Uh, pomegranates, figs. Oh, I like figs. Pomegranates. Right? God wants to provide you with all things richly to enjoy. Where's that at in the Bible? The second Timothy, uh, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. I have to look it up. It's in there. All right. <laughs> Don't take my word for anything. Look it up. Right? Hallelujah. So we keep going. Verse 27. So they come back to the... 40 days, they're in the promised land. They come back. And verse 27 says, we came unto the land. Uh, this is uh, the others. This is not Caleb talking. Okay, this is one of the others uh, in the group. He said, we came unto the land that you sent us to, and surely it's flowing with milk and honey. And here's the fruit of it. But, uh-oh, what do you mean but? Nevertheless, next verse, the people are strong. They dwell in the land, and the cities have big walls around them, and they're very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. They're like WWF wrestlers. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites of the sea and by the coast of the Jordan. And Caleb stops them. He said, let, let me just stop this right now. Caleb stills the people before Moses. Hold it! Wait a minute. Let us go up at once and possess it. See any discrepancy between what he said and what they said? Whiny baby, victory. Whiny baby, victory. Which one are we? We're victory, right? Doesn't matter what it looks like. Why? Because Jesus is our salvation. Right? Hallelujah. Let us go up at once and possess it. That's that Matthew eleven twelve attitude. Right? Forcefully advancing. We're holding our ground. We have this singular focus. God has said it, and we're going to do it. For we are well able to overcome it. Oh, my. What do you think the reaction is going to be to this? Well, let's look. But the men that went up with him said, no, we're not. We're not able. No, can't do it. To go up against the people. They're stronger than we, Caleb. Remember the three kinds of seeing, believing? Right? What were the other ten doing? 
their senses. Look at these grapes, right? Look at that guy, right? They're basing what they believe on their senses and on their carnal reasoning, and they'll always lead you to a dead end. It might take you 20 years, but you'll never get there. May as well learn now that it's faith in Christ that gets you there. Save yourself the trip, right? Hallelujah. So Caleb has got this singular focus. Joshua has it. See, fear, it blinds you to who God is and who you are in him. It really does, doesn't it? They didn't, these other ten didn't see themselves as God's kids. They didn't see it. They didn't see themselves as united with God. They saw themselves as separate and on their own. That they had to somehow overcome these giants, but they couldn't do it because they didn't have the biceps, right? But Caleb and Joshua saw themselves as belonging to God, as his chosen people. What is, is it 1 Peter 2.10 or 2.9? It says we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that we might show forth his grapes in the earth, his excellencies, right? And verse 32, look at this. They brought an evil report. What, were they swearing or something? What was evil about it? Unbelief. They weren't cursing or anything. God spoke and they rejected it. God said, you can. They said, no, we can't. Evil report. Of the land which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search, it is a land that dwelleth, excuse me, it is a land that eateth, oh my goodness, now how did they know this? It's a land that eateth up the inhabitants. What, have they been in there watching this? They, this is, this is their, now there's, they're creating scenarios in their mind. That's what fear does. It starts creating these movies in your mind of what it's going to be like tomorrow. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. So they start creating these scenarios. Oh, this land, let me tell you, it's going to eat us up. It eats up people when they go in there. It just eats them up. Now, I don't know why, it just eats them up. It doesn't make any sense. All the people that we see in it are men of great stature. They're like 20 feet tall, you know, and that's what fear does, amplifies everything. These guys are probably like four foot two or something. I don't know. <laughs> and there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the, of the giants, and we were in our own sight. Bingo. We were in our own sight. Boy, fear tells on you, doesn't it? As grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight, we're assuming. We've come to the conclusion since we see ourselves that way, they must see us that You know that wasn't true? Wasn't true at all? What was the truth about how other nations at that time were looking at them? From the scriptures. They were terrified of them. And we don't have time to look at the scriptures. If you look at Exodus 15, 14 through 18, after they, that God... Uh, delivered them from the Egyptians. The Egyptians were drowned in the Red Sea. They burst out into a song, and they talked about how the fear and dread of them will fall upon the nations because of the greatness of his arm. And Rahab revealed to Joshua 40 years later that the nations were terrified of them. Isn't that backwards? So here, that's what fear does. You've got it. It's yours, and you're afraid of it. And it's not even true. Oh, my goodness. So let's see here. Where, where can we go? Let's go to Numbers 14. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried and wept. <laughs> They've got the victory and they're crying all night. 
man, oh man, what fear will do to you. And they murmured now. They're weeping all night. They get up in the morning and start complaining about their leaders. Wow, and now they want to go back to Egypt. They want to go back to slavery. There's nothing right about that. That but fear will lead you back into the bondage that Christ set you free from. Don't put those chains back on. Stand up and declare who you are. Wasn't it better for us in Egypt? No, it wasn't. Dumb question. And they said one to another, let us make a captain, verse 4. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's put those chains on again. Let's get whipped some more. Woohoo! Party time. Right? <laughs> then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation and children of Israel. And Joshua, here comes salvation speaking. Caleb from the tribe of Judah, which rubbed them, rent their clothes. And they spoke to them, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, and he does, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us. A land which flows with grapes that two men have to carry, with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord. Neither fear the people. Fear is rebellion against the Lord you got to treat fear like the lousy thief that it is. You don't accept it at any moment for any time. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Hit the road, Jack. Hallelujah. Look, I love what he says this. Who bring it and give it to us. Uh, only rebel, neither fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. I like bread. I like it. I like it hot with butter on it, man. They are bread for us. They, the, their defense is departed from them. See, you can see things when you have faith in God. You see things that others can't see. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Okay, here's a great reaction. Verse 10. All the congregation picks up stones to stone them. Great friends, huh? Whew. Listen, there will be people who reject you for believing God. But you go with Jesus. You go into the promised land. If they want to come, they can come with you. But it's up to them. We can't control other people, but we can control our own heart. Don't be afraid of the stones of man. They're not going to break your bones. Hallelujah, because God is the strength of your bones. Boy, oh boy. Okay, we're going to wind this thing up here. Hallelujah. I love it. Well, anyway, so they don't go in because of their whiny babies took over the nation, right? And, and, and God says, okay, then you're not going to go in. In fact, this, this whiny baby attitude has gotten so bad, you guys aren't going to be able to do what I've called you to do. This whole generation's got to die off. I need to raise up a whole nother generation to go in and take it, except for Joshua and Caleb. All right? 45 years later, Joshua, I believe, was 40 when this happened, when they went in to spy out the land. 45 years have passed. A whole new generation is there. And he goes up to Joshua now, right, in Joshua 14. And he says, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, this is Joshua 14, 7, sent me from... I don't know how to say that. 
um, to, es- to, to spy out the land, and I brought him word against it was my, uh, I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but not me. I wholly followed the Lord my God. That's us, guys. That's Highway Church. That's us. We wholly follow the Lord. Amen. And I love what he says in uh, verse, uh, let's get to the end of 10. He said, and no, Lao, I am this day 85 years old. It was 45 years ago. And yet I am as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now. For war, taking possession of my ground, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. Let's stand to our feet right now. And we're going to open up. We're going to thinking of our families right now. We're thinking of anything in our life that is not a God grape that is not the abundance that God has provided for us. Maybe it's debt. Maybe it's, it's children who are discouraged. Whatever it might be. Maybe it might be health. And we're going to say all together, we're going to say, give me my mountain, okay? It's a declaration of faith over our lives. We're not asking God to give it to us. He's already given it to us. We're, we're, we're grabbing a hold of it. We're taking back what the enemy has tried to steal from us, all right? So think about it. Is it your kids? Is it, is it your future? Is it your health? Is it lack? Is it debt? whatever it is, we're taking hold of the abundant life that God has provided for us. Are you ready? We're speaking. We're going to say, give me my mountain on three. One, two, three. Give me my mountain. Again, give me my mountain. Again, give me my mountain. Hallelujah. Father, thank you. We take possession of all that you purchased for us through the Son, through Jesus our Savior. And we thank you, Lord. We take hold of the health you've provided for us. We take hold of the provision for our lives, the abundant provision you provide for our lives. We take hold of the health and peace for our children. We declare Jesus, Lord of our ground, Lord of our marriage, Lord of our family, Lord of our children, Lord of our future, Lord of our present, Lord of our lives. Hallelujah. Woo! At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.